We're back with another Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we are catching up with Vikings legend, offensive tackle Brian McKinney. Welcome back to Skull Stories presented by 3M. Tonight, we're catching up with a Vikings legend. He's one of the biggest legends, and I mean physically biggest man, one of the biggest men I've ever seen, who was part of some of the most impressive offensive line groups in Viking history. He's a mountain of a man, formerly known as Big Mac. Please enjoy tonight's conversation with Vikings legend, Brian McKinney. Well, Brian McKinney, it's, it's great catching up with you once again. It's a, it is hard to believe it's been over a decade, my goodness, since you've been in a Viking uniform. I, the first question I think the fans would like to know is, what are you up to? How are you doing? What's keeping you busy these days? Actually, right now, what's keeping me busy is my toy drive that I have for my B Major Foundation. So mm-hmm. I'm working on that because that's this Saturday. I'm down here in Miami from 1 to 5 at My Way Steakhouse. Besides that, I have my um, company called Let's Chat, which we do language translation um, in real time based off your device setting. You can translate everything from your website. We do subtitling, documents. Uh, anything you got, we can pretty much handle it in real time. That's terrific. It sounds like a great project. Yeah, we did. Uh, we were doing. Um, we had the NFL for three years, and then they changed. Forget the package they were doing. We were doing sub. We were doing the subtitling for them, and we didn't do it this season because there was a change. But we're um, scheduled to get back on board next season, and then we just signed Major League Soccer too, so we'll start doing them as well. Mm. Yeah, Brian. So let's go back. Uh, let's go back. Let's go way back to to college mm-hmm. and. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on the college playoff system and the way it stands mm-hmm. now, because you guys were kind of on the wrong end of that back in the day. I think it was 2001. Oh, 2000. Yeah, man, two, or sorry, and then came back and, and won the whole thing. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on on, on the, the college football playoff system and just kind of the state of college football in general in that respect? For us, uh, Hurricanes, we kind of laugh at the fact that it was Florida because they're the ones who bumped us out. <laughs> they're the ones who bumped us out of 2000. So the fact that it was Florida State, we kind of laugh at him and say, kind of say it was karma. But overall, I do think that that was kind of like they were undefeated. So I can't see how you can make a decision based off of a player who won't be playing in that game. Like, I feel like they still deserve to be in the playoffs. But you, you're eliminating them from the playoffs because of, you feel like their quarterback, who's a key guy, isn't playing. But they won games without him anyway to continue to be undefeated. So I don't understand why that's a factor. You were uh... – Again, backing up just a little bit before that, you were up in uh, Woodbury, New Jersey, and ended up going down to South mm-hmm. Beach. This was before name, image, and likeness. Um, so you didn't exactly have briefcase fulls of, full of money, or did you, uh, that were offered to you to go down to play college? You know, that was always the rumor about University of Miami. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just a rumor, right? Come on. Right. <laughs> what ultimately led the decision for you to go there? Kind of my parents. I actually became between Miami and, for some reason, Arkansas. I had a great visit. Hmm. And I went to Arkansas and enjoyed myself. And um, – Houston, that was the coach there at the time. I just had a great trip. And also, um, one of my coaches went there as well and kind of was in my ear a lot about it. But then, you know, my parents kind of stepped in and my head coach at the time kind of stepped in and kind of persuaded me to go, you know, to Miami. And I feel like that was the best decision. Now, when you were drafted by the Vikings, do you remember draft day? Because I certainly I do. do. I remember the, I do. the chaos and everything. On your end of it, what was that like in in – did it uh, did it have did it matter to you at all? Kind of just all all the goofiness that went on with getting the name up to the 
up to the podium. And, no, and, that wasn't and, mine. That was I want to say that was maybe Troy Williamson or Kevin. That wasn't mine where they like skipped the number and all that. No, no, that no, that was Kevin Williams. Oh, okay, you know that was, but right. it was your year. It was your year because we it was two years in a row. That we kind of that that the whole thing had number seven. Yeah, the yeah. sec the sec mm-hmm. with Kevin Williams, it was a matter of we were trying to trade the pick because we knew Kevin was going to be there. Or they felt they was going to be there a few more picks later, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like what Dallas had done the year you were drafted. But I know on your end, it was it was a matter of getting the card written My properly end. and then getting it up there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like I said, I'm curious on your end because it was at, it was crazy here. Being you know being in the draft room and everything else, but for you, I I would just assume it was like nothing, like no big deal. I don't. Yeah, for me it wasn't a big deal because I had got a phone call in the back already, so I don't even think I was even aware. Okay, that, that was even taking place because you know they call you prior to you picking being picked. So yes, for me once I had got the phone call, I kind of already knew you know what team I was going to. So I don't even think I was even paying attention to that part now because once I hung up the phone, I'm explaining to my family uh, where where I'm going. <laughs> so I probably didn't even realize that. You know, you're bringing it to my attention for the first time right now. I didn't. I wasn't even aware. Huh. And Mike Tice was uh, the new head coach and uh, as an offensive line coach with an offensive line background, did that help matters for you or it was he tougher on you because of that? No, he he helped me because um there would be even times where he came in, he I'm gonna say in two thousand five, he came in and just taught me small little things just to get the job done and he was big on it doesn't have to look pretty, just get it done and I'm gonna show you ways to make your job a little easier but be more effective. And he says, I don't care, you know, he was the head coach, so he's like, I don't care what your position coach is telling you. I'm telling you, <laughs> do it like this. So somebody says something to you about it, just tell them I told you to do it that way. So yeah, Steve Lone, yeah, he he didn't he didn't he, he didn't always check with Steve Loney before he was gonna go talk to you about technique, right? Right. So <laughs> once he did once he did that, and I actually liked the way that he was teaching me, and it, it worked for me. I feel like I had a really good year in 2005. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you have an extended holdout for a while? Absolutely. So that was one of the things I felt like you know my introduction. To to, you know, Minnesota and the fans was me <laughs> holding out, but I, I've, I always realized it was business. And then I remember, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, players saying things. But Coach Tyson, they don't told me, like, he told Matt Burke and them to say things to try to, like, it was going to get me to, like, come in and pressure me to come in and get the contract done. But I always knew that it was business. And, um, you know, I had different people that reached out and support me. And in that situation, because of number eight pick was the Dallas Cowboys and the Vikings and the Kansas City Chiefs felt like that they, they overpaid Roy Williams. And, you know, me and Ryan Sins were six, six and seven mm-hmm. at Kansas City, and we saw like that had nothing to do with us. Like, if our contract mm-hmm. was done for us, we wouldn't know. But it's slot. It's supposed to be slotted, so we're supposed to be, you know, more than number eight if we're six and seven. So that was like the big deal. Uh, he got overpaid, and that was the whole thing of just holding out, just trying to like realize his bit. I realized his business at that point. Once you got into the groove of things, uh, who were who were some of the defensive ends that you? Thought you know most highly of her guys that you did not look forward to playing against week in <laughs> week in and week out. At at the beginning, um, KGB from Green Bay, yep. um, in the pass rushing, but in run blocking, I didn't have a problem. I, I prefer him to be in there run blocking, but he was like more of a pass rush specialist. I yep. wanted to wear him down in the run. Um, but playing against him two times a year, it got me better at it, and then um, it got to probably like year three or maybe four where I was able to kind of just slow everything down that he was doing. Just something that you keep. Some of your key players, like DeMarcus Weir, when I had to play him, uh, you know, you just have to be on your A game. You're supposed to be on your A game all the time, but I just feel like you have a certain more, a certain level of uh, focus when you're playing, like, certain people. Yeah. 
Kabir Gabaja Biamila. Oh my, that's a mouthful. That. I know he was he was kind of uh, he was one of the first phonetically spelled names on Flipkarts back in the <laughs> back in the day. That's it's. Uh, how about your own teammates? What guys? Uh, what guys in that offensive line? Uh, do you remember? Do you keep in touch with any of them? Do you have any good stories with them? Yeah, Matt Burke is probably out of everybody one who I keep in touch with the most. Uh, Ryan Cook a little bit. I haven't seen Anthony Herrera in a while. I want to say Matt Burke is probably – and then also you remember Matt Burke ended up with me in Baltimore as well. And then uh, the only other thing I was thinking about were some of those joint practices that we had against Kansas City. Do you remember any of those in particular? I do. In, in Brock, trading Brock, camp. Brock Lesnar, uh, body slam one of those players. Oh, turned out to a whole brawl between those teams. <laughs> and you guys knew though if you guys if if we got a good if we had enough fights in then they would just cancel it, right? And you guys can get out early. <laughs> yeah. So we, we brought it over with because we, to, and Coach Sides was like kind of like a fan of it too. Like <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't want you backing so, down he didn't want you backing down to anyone. At all. So he kinda was like it was like he was like a, a proud dad to see, you know, his guys go out there and have each other's back. <laughs> now, a lot of that uh, offensive room changed in 2006 when the Vikings traded for uh, a guy named Steve Hutchinson, uh, now in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. What And he was known, as they say, to bring an attitude in that room. What do you remember about Hutch joining the team and how it affected everything you guys were doing? I remember he had uh, great, like, hands. Um, once he locked on, he pretty much was really good at, like, locking a person in. As far as the tackles, um... Hutch wasn't like vocal a lot, but when he spoke, you know, a lot of people listened. And um, it was good for me because I didn't feel like I had to worry about the person next to me. You, mm-hmm. you know, like he could hold his own. So then, therefore, I could just, you know, focus on my, my own thing. Again, we're talking to Bryant McKinney, uh, former Vikings, been what, again, over a decade since he's been here. And uh, Steve Hutchinson, a lot of other things changed uh, the next year when uh, there was a rookie running back named Adrian Peterson who literally burst on the scene. And uh, what was it like to block for Adrian and the chemistry that you guys developed and, and, and watching this all-world talent come into the Minnesota Vikings uh, purple? He, he definitely was a different style running back, and I could see that he was going to end up being a great running back once he got all his plays down in assignments and the pass protection. Um, he was somebody who uh, you were forced to hear up and try to drive your defender out the way or he would run into your back. So it was like, hey, let me get this defender out of the way before he runs straight into the back of you. <laughs> so you just definitely kept your feet moving with him and try to just get your guy out of the way. He was going to run, crash right down into whatever hole he was supposed to go to. What are your memories of uh, 2009? Um, The best season I feel like that I had as a Viking overall, like best record. I feel like this, I've, one of the best seasons I probably played. The furthest I went. Um, as a Viking, and I feel like that team was actually a Super Bowl team. Um, just kind of got just a lot of like turnovers. I think it was like five that game that still we only lost by a field goal, and overtime was different then. They changed overtime mm-hmm. after yep. that game, and Super Bowl was actually in Miami, and I was looking forward to coming to Miami to play in the Super Bowl. Right. So yeah, it was a lot of things <laughs> in that game, including Brett Favre and his arrival, uh, that Ballyhooed re- uh, arrival with the helicopters following everyone at Winter Park, and right. and Chili picking up uh, Favre at the airport, and what a what a uh, nut house that was. And but Brett had a year to remember, and and uh, his you personality did. must have been contagious in that locker room. It definitely was, and I feel like it brought the team closer too because everybody was now playing for him and had so much respect for him that. 
everybody's game, I feel like rose, and um, everybody was playing at a higher level collectively. And what is it about? What is it about that position? I think it's in it's in definitely in focus here uh, with the loss of Kirk Cousins. But what makes what makes a great quarterback, in your opinion? Well, at that point, he was like year nineteen or twenty, and so he had a lot of experience, and he was able to see things. He could play tricks with the D line, with snap counts and fake cadences and things like that, and dummy calls which helped us out as well. And he was good at pump faking, like he was throwing the ball, which would slow down, you know, the defender for us. Like, he just had so much experience. So I think that was key for him, seeing everything and then knowing how to play. A lot of mind games with these defenders um, helped the offensive line out a lot. So he's been he's been around it for so, so long that it has made everybody's job a little easier. I, and what I remember beyond the, the, the sheer pain of that 2009 uh, championship game in New Orleans was the fact that afterwards walking into that locker room to try to do a couple of interviews, you know, it was, it was hard to approach anyone. But you were one of the few guys who was willing to stand up and talk to the media. And that seemed to be something you did on a regular basis and kept a pretty even keel and philosophic mm-hmm. kind of feel about it, Brian. That, that I, Kudos for you for doing that, number one, because it I had to hurt. You. As you mentioned, you would have been going back to Miami for the Super Bowl. Absolutely, and I was looking forward to it. I, I remember on that last drive, <laughs> the interception, I was thinking like, oh, about to close it out. Mm-hmm. And then I actually get to play in the Super Bowl in Miami, so I was like kind of excited. Stick around for more Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more from Bryant McKinney right after this. Many local families cannot afford the high cost of food, gas, and groceries. You can help by donating to the Salvation Army this holiday season. Give now at SalvationArmyNorth.org. Together, we can love beyond. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com slash skull science to learn more. Now let's get back into our conversation with Bryant McKinney. Um, if you've seen anything uh, or watched the Vikings at all this season and trying to get a just have a chance to see what we're doing defensively with Flores and you know, some of our offensive line and, and really mainly uh, Christian Derisaw, if you had a chance to see him play and what do you think of him as a left tackle? Yeah, I think he's, I think he stepped in and done uh, really well and probably one of the better tackles um, that's, that's in there, you know, since the, this last decade. I do a weekly podcast called Believe in Vikings. So myself and um, Dustin Baker and Sally and Ron. So I follow the Vikings a lot. And each, you know, Wednesday evening, we get on there and we talk about different, you know, players and the team and things like that. So it's like the defense has gotten better for sure this season. The offense, offensive line has gotten better to me too. Um, Because they're not doing like, you know, like two years ago, they kept rotating people from one position to another position instead of, I always felt like just plug the next person in instead of, okay, your left guard got hurt. So I'm going to move the right tackle to to left guard. Like they just plug the next like guard and there's too many, like, I don't know. I didn't like how they were doing that. Just leave people where they're comfortable at and just fill in the next, you know, guard. So they're doing a better job of that now. And I just feel like they're playing a little better as well. Brian, I know you've been keeping busy with uh, various projects, but I, I, I've, I was following, at least through social media, your tennis c- uh, career, I want to call it, your exploits mm-hmm. playing playing uh, on, uh, I think, with Serena Williams and others. What? My goodness, that must have been a. Uh, I don't know if you're still playing some tennis, but what a blast that that I had am. to be. Oh, it, it definitely is. It keeps you just you know active and moving around and still being able to be competitive. 
And there's a lot of other um, NFL, former NFL players who play like Chad Ochocinco, Ryan Hogue, former teammate in Vikings, mm-hmm. Brett Grimes. All of us have played, you know, before. Even Ryan Tannehill, me and him have played um, against each other before too. So it's definitely a good sport that you can do. Stay active and be competitive. Yeah, I prefer doubles though, a lot less running. Uh, yes. Well, me too. I mean, me too. I've got <laughs> the of doubles now. Hey, uh, you eventually did get that Super Bowl ring, Brian McKinney, in uh, Super Bowl I forty-seven did. with uh, your Matt Burke was on that team and in Baltimore, the Harbaugh Bowl, as it was dubbed. And what do you recall about your time in Baltimore and and that ch- and that Super Bowl championship experience with that not- lights out defense that they had as well? And the lights went out of the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. That's right. That's right. Right. Um, That was my first time having um, being on a team with fellow Miami Hurricanes. So it was good to be back around, Mm. you know, like Ed Reed, who me and him won a national championship together in college. Right. And then also being around like Ed Reed and Tommy Streeter, Damon Berry, all those other guys who went to UM. Um, It was a great team. The first year we went like 12 and four, lost an AFC championship to um, New England in New England. And then that was the year Ray Lewis was supposed to retire. And then in locker room, he was like, he said, don't hold your head low. We're going to be back in the same position next year. So they let me know two things, that he's coming back again next year. And then the second thing I thought was, how how are we going to be back in the same position of being an NFC championship in New England? But we ended up the following year beating the number one seed, Denver Broncos, and finding ourselves back in the same position against New England. And once we got back there to New England a year later, I nothing in my mind, I never doubted that we would lose that game because that was an opportunity to kind of like get our lick back on them. And the Ravens may very well go back to the Super Bowl this year if you were keeping your eye on them. I'm sure, uh, and with John Harbaugh. Well yeah. Uh, yeah, I see. I see they're playing pretty well now, which will be 11 years later, basically. Amazing. With, with the same head coach, I mean, John Harbaugh, what makes him special? Um, actually, he's been able to adapt to the mm. new generation. I asked that last year. We went to Baltimore for our 10-year anniversary of the Super Bowl, and I asked him, I said, your coaching style has changed. And I said, and the players have changed. He was like, yeah, around 2017, I realized some of the things I was doing with you guys, I couldn't do with them because they were shut down. So he was able to adapt coaching style to the players and find ways to still be effective, and that's, that's worked for him. And what do you, what do you think of what do you think of that, the – uh, the changing of the players. Do you? I mean, is it is is it kind of a thing where you look at it as that it is what it is, or do you miss the old days I feel in like that respect? Everything changes. You kind of miss the old days, and like far as like the plays and some of the hits and things like that that made it exciting. But I guess now they're trying to protect players more. I feel like everything they're changing everything. Who's your uh, Who's your favorite for you think for the Super Bowl this year? Who you think is going to do it? I don't know because you know in December is when like teams to me really turn it on so you'll think like um during the season you'll watch somebody and feel like they're doing good and then all of a sudden they start to decline like right it's like the eagles lost three in a row now so it's like all year long people probably going eagles 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 but you got to really see who turns it on in december and normally they can carry that momentum over so san fran is looking good there's a couple teams look good even the dolphins are start, is starting to look yeah good I, i'd love to see the dolphins get in the super bowl again i think that'd be just be perfect to, to, to watch that explosive offense and that would be an entertaining yeah. game Hey, Brian, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great catching up with you on School Stories. Uh, Let's do it again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And thanks again to Brian McKinney for joining the show tonight. It's always great to catch up and hear some of his amazing stories. All right, Pete Bursich, it's the holiday season, and the Vikings have, well, you would say a huge game this Sunday, Christmas Eve at U.S. Bank Stadium, a whiteout, as they're calling it, against the resurgent Detroit Lions. The Lions are currently 10-4. and Sitting comfortably atop the NFC North, the Vikings have had their fits against the Lions in recent years, but this year they faced them twice in three weeks at the end of the regular season. The schedule makers knew what they were doing. 
offensively, especially at home. They've been hot. They've been top five most offensive categories. Jared Goff is the top three in passing yards. They've been a little different on the road, though. So if you look at Brian Flores and what they have to do, how do you slow down this Lions offense and try to minimize the damage done by their playmakers? I think the main thing is is this is a timing offense. And if you go ahead and watch just the last two weeks of what they've done, they came out against Denver and threw the ball six times Mm -hmm. in a row. And it was nine of the first 11 plays. I mean, they they have a rhythm passing game. That's what Goff does so well. The timing, the, the whether it's a play fake and then him turning his back on the defense or just the out routes. When in rhythm, Goff is very, very tough to beat. He's very accurate, strong-armed, very hard to trick Goff. He's very smart. You can get to him if you could put pressure on him. Obviously, uh, he's not as mobile as some of the quarterbacks that we've faced but find a way to disrupt this rhythm. Nick Mullins will get the start to get a quarterback for the Vikings. Uh, the Lions' defense has been vulnerable at times. The one guy that you have to keep an eye on, of course, is Aiden Hutchinson, who's got the nonstop motor. He's uh, puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. The Michigan native has been a huge shot in the arm for this Lions' defense. What do you like about the matchup against the Lions' defense, and, and how do you kind of protect yourself against Aiden Hutchinson well, disrupting everything? I, what I was kind of amazed at it was how aggressive – the Lions defense is when it comes to blitzing. With the Bengals, I think we're we're getting a very similar style of defense out of the two. So hopefully, uh, a lot of its carryover from what they what the offensive line and what everybody was doing a week ago against Cincinnati to what they're going to see against the Lions. And you know, regardless, they're they're a little thin at the cornerback position. And we might be able to work on some of those matchups on the outside. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. And a lot of it, you don't get frustrated as a fan when if there's a handoff, if you just run the ball into a teeth into the teeth of a blitz, that it doesn't go anywhere. That's just you live by the blitz, you die by the blitz, right? You blitz to the left side and we run the ball that way, well then boom, you kill it, right? But one of these times you're gonna run it away from <laughs> you know where they're coming from and you're gonna hit pay dirt. So uh, hopefully Ty Chandler can have another you know another good day out there. But overall, they're solid. Remember, it's a white-out game at U.S. Bank Stadium this Sunday at noon, so dress appropriately. You can catch the TV broadcast over on Fox. Of course, you can also catch Pete and PA right here all across the Vikings radio network, so be sure to check your local listings for details. And thanks again to Brian McKinney for joining the show tonight, and thank you fans for tuning in to another edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Happy holidays, and we'll see you all again next week.